Shannon Tipton here, and welcome to the Learning Rebels Coffee Chat, where all the cool L&D peeps hang out. While you're here, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on future chats. Today, the cool kids are sharing their best virtual tips during our virtual training extravaganza. The world is different, and how we work is different, and how we deliver training to people is very different. It seems like it took forever to get our businesses online virtually. But once they did, holy Zoom zombies, Batman. Organizations took something fabulous and exhausted everyone by hosting meetings that should have been emails, taking eight-hour workshops and shoving them into two-hour Zoom sessions, using Zoom for lectures that should have been simple audio or video recordings. Zoom fatigue is a real thing, people. And it was a great surprise to have Cassie Labori join us today to share some of her best tips to prevent Zoom zombies. So the question on the table today is, knowing what we know now, how can we make virtual programs more effective and engaging? So without further ado, let's get to it. Well, welcome everyone to our Friday the 13th edition of our Learning Rebels Coffee Chat, where today we are doing a virtual training activity extravaganza, severe jazz hands. That's what this requires. <laughs> yes, and the reason I thought about this was because one, it's just a fun idea. Two, you know, we're at the tail end now, I hope, of where we're at in the pandemic and this, you know, historical place in time that we are at. And Zoom fatigue is a really big thing. It is a thing, you know. And so now how can we help one mitigate this? Because we all jumped in at the beginning of the pandemic and we just started throwing a lot of spaghetti at the walls. So let's see what happens. Let's see what's not working, what is working, et cetera. And now that we're like 24 months into this, we might be one, a little bored with the activities that we have. Two, we're discovering that the activities that we're using aren't quite as effective as we thought that they would be. Or three, that our audience is bored with these activities, right? And maybe we're not using the virtual platforms that we have to the best of their capabilities, right? Are we all up to date as far as what some of them can do? Because Zoom in of itself has rolled out several new capabilities, the whiteboard being one, you know? So there's a lot of things out there that are, are new and exciting. And I wanted to tap into our collective brains and find out what is new and exciting out there. What is it that you guys are doing? What can we share with each other? You know, and while I've got Cassie Labori with us, Cassie, what are you seeing as far as the evolution of training activities or virtual training activities from when perhaps the pandemic first started to where we are today? What are your observations? Certainly people are a lot more open to trying things. They know how to be here and they know that they're very bored. <laughs> so, and I do think, and maybe I'm just going to say this because I want it to be true. I think that we're getting beyond the, oh, you have to be on webcam and that's all the engagement all the time. I think we're like starting to look at, okay, there's other features and there's more that we can do. And yeah, webcams are cool and they do help us. 
I'm not anti, but they're not the only thing. Mm -hmm. People are seemingly more willing to explore the other options that are here. And they seem to be less, for lack of a better word, fearful of trying them or breaking them. Right, right. Oh, and I think that's a good point. I was just speaking with someone recently and they were still hosting classrooms where they were insisting that everybody have their webcam on. And, you know, the idea behind that just seems unfair, you know, and when we talk about psychological safety, especially in a virtual space, it, by forcing people to turn on their webcams, that kind of is the antithesis of that, isn't it? I think that like this idea that, okay, you're talking about a broader cultural issue within an organization. If people are like, I'm going to force everyone to be on camera and that's going to equal engagement. You know, there's other things going on there because um, there's no doubt. Yes. Me seeing you and seeing you smile is going to be an easier way for me to connect with you. And so what's in the way of you being able to do that? And, you know, classic Gen X, I don't like to ever be told what to do. And so I, in turn, don't <laughs> tell people what to do. I try to offer it and make it comfortable and outline ways where we can all be successful, but I want people to be happy and comfortable and respectful of each other as well, if possible. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Thank you for that. And Jean, yes, exactly. I think that's the other component to this is facilitators say they want to monitor that people are paying attention. And I think that goes back to what Cassie said, that there's a deeper issue afoot here. So that means that we have trust issues within our organization. And a lot of times if we think, in my opinion, if we're fearful that people aren't paying attention or we believe that people aren't paying attention, there's a couple of things amok. First off is our content. So if our content isn't interesting enough to capture people's attention, that's kind of on us. The second part is our virtual facilitation skills in general. That's also on us. So there are things that we can do to build engagement and to keep people on board with us, you know, rather than slinging old, boring compliance training because we can do much better, right? And just because your webcam is on doesn't mean you're paying attention or engaged, right? You know, people are getting very creative about that. You know, they're taking pictures of themselves and they're using that. There is our uh, mural board for everyone today. Now, what we're seeing here is I'd like to break down the activities into some topic areas. So we have icebreakers, so activities for icebreakers, activities that enhance feedback, activities that encourage reflection, brainstorming and problem solving, practice as in, you know, practice retrieval, group sharing, and a catch-all. So there's another category there. And so let's start talking about some of these different activities. Is there one of these topic areas that you are struggling with more so than the others? Is there one of these topic areas that's a bigger challenge than another to create engaging activities? For us, it's group sharing, whether it's in-person or virtual, but it's even worse in virtual when it's a large group. We somehow do great in small groups, but you know, once we've got 30, 40, 50 people in the group, I think 25 to 30 is probably where we seem to move past that. And we just haven't figured out how to break through the trust issue that is, I think is probably causing that in our large group sessions. But like when we're, yeah, when we're in like our monthly meetings, it's just a bunch of faces and there's no talking. There's very little interaction when it comes to like the core stuff that's a part of the meeting. It's like pulling teeth. 
Right. I get that. Now, anybody out there have any suggestions for Don? How can we encourage that? Well, Don, first off, let me ask you, do you have an option to create smaller sized groups rather than larger sized groups? Our team has suggested, I think one of our challenges is that our team is not called upon to help develop the sessions. So it is other departments who are facilitating the sessions and they consistently, like depending on who is in charge, our COO calls our team in when she's in charge of it. But when there are other executives that are in charge of it, they do not call upon our team to assist them in the development, which is also kind of frustrating. Mm -hmm. I imagine so. So it's like you're coming in on the back end of that. And perhaps maybe there is a standard playbook, perhaps, that you can create for the people who are creating content without you that might guide them through different sorts of activities like this and the why behind they would do certain activities like this. That's a great idea. I like that. Thank you. So anyone else using tools like Mural or Mural that can help you with brainstorming? Who's using this on any sort of regular basis? So Sandra, you use Jamboard a lot. Sandra, what are you using Jamboard for? Often it's to get a um, example into the room to get people's framework. So for example, I do a training on hybrid meetings. So I have a framework I lead them through, which is to describe a hybrid meeting they've been a part of and what went well and what didn't and what insights they have from their experience. So I create a different Jamboard for each of those questions. Oh, good. I like using Jamboard too. I kind of flip between this one and Jamboard. uh, Cassie, do you have a favorite? So for me, I just, I love using this. The Zoom whiteboard is fine. And I would just use a, a slide that I prepared with pictures and have you annotate it. But most of the time, I like to th- keep things really simple. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I, and I like to keep it simple as well. And that's why I usually just stick with when I don't go through a dozen different tools. And as a facilitator, it's, you see a lot of these shiny tools out there and you want to, on one meeting, let's try Mural. On the next meeting, let's use Jamboard. On the next meeting, let's use Mural. You know, and so you want to try out all of these different tools. And in my mind, I pick one or two and I stick with those. You know, so my audience knows what to expect or my participants in whatever workshop I'm doing or environment like this, you know, they know which tools that are most likely to pop up. And I think that becomes helpful too, because then people are used to using them. And to be honest, I have not had an opportunity to use the new Zoom whiteboard. I don't even use that much myself because, again, you need logins and you have all the stuff and people have to have Zoom accounts. It's the same old stuff. as It's the same thing as using Miro or Mural or Jamboard, really. Usually what I do is just use annotation on top of a shared slide. It's my favorite. (laughs) Right. I do the same thing. There is something to be said then about using tools like this wisely, right? And when I think about reflection, and I love that we've got a lot of information going into the reflection area here, we've got, well, when we have sort of a statement, I'm not sure what reflection looks like in a virtual environment. And I think that's a great statement slash question. And when you think about reflection, one of the things that I use in a virtual environment is not unlike what we might do in the classroom, which is to just to give people a moment of silence. And then a lot of times I'll back that up with kind of what I refer to as like a chat blast. And it's, okay, I'm going to give you one minute of total silence to think about your idea or your takeaway or whatever it is that you want them to reflect on. And then I ask them to write that down in the chat box, but don't get send. 
You know, so you're giving them that moment to think about it and ponder and reflect and type or whatever. And then at the end of that minute, I ask people, okay, everybody hit send. And then you have all of the reflections happening in the chat. It's like boom, 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 boom. So it's kind of cool to see that coming in and you're still giving them that reflection time to ponder on whatever question is in front of them. I like that. We also did something similar in a way at the end of a class, having them pull up an email and having some prompts in the PowerPoint, you know, what were three things you want to remember? What were your job aids? You know, things like that. And then gave them just five minutes of silence to reflect and review and jot down some notes and then delay delivery to themselves. So they would get an email sort of letting them do a quick kind of review reminder in about three to five days about what they had done in the class. But I really like the idea of maybe taking one of the points and putting it into chat all at the same time. I love the idea of the chat just, you know, blowing up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I find that it encourages people to jump in as well, those that might have been reticent or maybe weren't paying attention <laughs> for whatever reasons. And then they see all of this activity happening and I think it encourages them to participate as well. And the other part that I'm seeing here in the reflection category is, Instruct participants to turn off the camera for self-reflection and then turn it back on. And I've never used that technique before. I really like that idea. So if you've got a group like this that's in front of us, that's kind of a mix. Some people are on camera. Some people are off camera. If we just said, okay, for 30 seconds, everybody turn off your camera. And I think that also helps with eye stress too, you know, for that short period of time. And they give them a chance to reflect and then come back on if they want to, and add their information into the chat. So I love that idea. So thank you for that one. And then playing music during reflection to avoid silence. So how many of you are playing music? I put it in there, but honestly, I haven't tried it. I'm not really doing a whole lot of training right now, and none of the training I'm doing has reflections in it. Okay. And so are you thinking about changing your mind on incorporating some more reflection in it? Yes, we're in the business of rewriting a bunch of stuff. And so there will be reflection, but we haven't actually done it yet. Okay, excellent. And so, Don, um, sometimes you play music. What are some examples, Don, of when you've played music? I've played music for reflection. I think the times I haven't played music has been when we've had technical issues with the volume of the music. Uh -huh. Balancing like what my voice would be versus the volume of the music coming through. I've had a couple situations where the music, even though it's like soft instrumental music has come through super loud, no matter how I adjust the settings and whatever player I'm using for it, settings within Zoom or whatever platform we're using. But whenever possible, I kind of just have a couple playlists on standby that I use for um, sometimes the beginning of a session and definitely for reflection time, kind of as a marker of like not only to break the silence, but a marker of this is dedicated time for this. And we're going to do it for one song or for two minutes or however long it is. But then when the music stops, that's like a really nice marker of, okay, like now we're finishing up the reflection time. Mm -hmm. And uh, Lori, does that sound familiar? Is that what you're using as well or how you're using it? Exactly. The silence thing is interesting to me. I think it's wonderful to give people silence because, you know, there's so much talking in these sessions, but so many people find that uncomfortable. That's true. Some people do find it uncomfortable. So what might be an alternative, do you think? Are you saying that's how you use that music to fill that 
void of silence? Yes. And my, my teammates really, none of them will really use silence. Everybody's just afraid of it. They just keep going. And Cassie, I'm sure you have some thoughts on the use of silence. And for me, it is hard to train or to get the mindset into certain facilitators that silence can be your friend. The reason behind that for me, how I help facilitators understand this is when you're in the classroom and you ask people for questions, for example, and you can kind of rapidly scan the room and you can see who's processing a question and you can kind of wait for a moment for them to kind of collect their thoughts. When you're in an environment like this, it's a little more difficult. Giving them that moment to process their question, if you're asking, if you're asking for questions, is an important element because they have to process the question. You're not going to catch that facial expression oftentimes. So they're processing the question that you've asked. They're processing their answer. And then they have to type. And not everyone is, is a fast typer. Some people are hunt and peck people, right? And so those three components almost add a third more to this particular activity because you're waiting for people to come on board. And if you rush through that, if you go, are there any questions? And then you wait just a couple of beats and go, okay, well, I see nobody is in the chat and nobody has raised their hand. So I'm going to go ahead and move on. Those people who are in the middle of trying to process the question and the answer and type they're just going to blow it off now. They're just like, okay, well, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to try. Those are my thoughts. Sandra, I see your hand. I coach trainers. People have been been in person to move into the virtual space. And I always tell them, particularly if they ask a question, they're looking for an answer in chat that, you know, just because it's silent, don't worry about that because it's not silent for the learners. Like the learners are reading, the learners are thinking, the learners are typing, like they're processing and just, we don't have to have the audio line be consistently filled during a training, I think. And I actually have a trainer who's now kind of trained herself to say, I'm going to go silent now. Like, I want you to read what others are saying, to process it, and to reflect on your own responses to this. I agree. And I'm, I'm looking at your comments in the chat right now, and I'm having a, an internal giggle about everybody thinking, what is wrong with silence? Cassie, would you like to jump in here? We need it. You know, the music thing's kind of, that's the thing, the cognitive overload. And there's also, I'm going to judge you based on the music choice you bring in. So there's that (laughs) reality, right? <laughs> but um leave the ACDC behind. Is that what you you cool, I guess, or whatever. I do the same thing when I teach when I'm coaching trainers. Uh, you know, I call it purposeful silence. And I also have, I'm known for my tiki glass of water here. <laughs> so <laughs> pose the question, mute your dang self, take your water, <laughs> you know, let people respond, whether that's on the annotation or in the chat or, you know, give them a chance to find the raise hand button, whatever you're doing, give it a moment. And then don't, and then another thing is I always say, resist calling on the very first person too, because there's other people that are still thinking. And so give it like, I'm not really like a, a, an exact person. I'm more of a creative, but when it comes to how many people I'm waiting to afford to respond, and I'm generally in the world of give or take 75% of you before I will say anything. I do set it up where I tell them, hey, everybody, I have a whole process for it. I call it my my debrief process, but I'll set it up and I'll say, okay, like, what are some things that you've seen the most engaging virtual presenters do? Let's go to the chat and I'm going to be quiet for a while so that you can think about it. And so let's take the next few moments to do that. 
And then I mute myself. I drink my water. <laughs> you know, People will tease me. They're like, there goes her water. I know she's going to be quiet, you know. And, and then when we come off, I make a point, too, of not rereading verbatim everything everyone just said, because that's a whole nother thing that I don't think we need to do. Now, accessibility brings up another issue for me on that, but that still needs to be researched. But I don't think we need to be like, and Douglas said, what? No five finger death punch at an 8 a.m. And then Tracy said regarding music. I mean, you know, you've probably read that, but I do need to pay attention to what people have shared. So following the silence, make sure you're paying attention because that's another thing. We don't really listen. Great. Thanks for all the chats. Let's move on to the next topic now, Shannon. No one's going to respond the next time, you know, so we have to make sure we respond after the silence, too. I love that. I think those are all really wonderful tips, especially for debriefing. I don't think that we take enough time for debriefing, especially in the virtual session, because a lot of times what we've done is we've taken eight hour or four hour classes and we've shoved them into a two hour virtual experience. And then it becomes a rat-a-tat-tat, just the facilitator trying to get through the slides and not really giving people that mental break that they need and that debrief that they need to really absorb the information that's coming through. I appreciate that. And now breakout rooms. Now let's talk about breakout rooms. How many of you are using breakout rooms for any of the topics that we have here? Because you can use them for any of this, reflection, brainstorming, practice, group sharing, you can use for anything. Do you like using breakout rooms? Do you have a favorite way to use them? They've got their place and time. But the problem is for us, you send people out to breakout rooms, that just extends this, right? It's like a field trip in a real classroom. Hey, we're gonna go up in here and we're gonna go do this. You gotta give them all an opportunity to come back and get distracted. And so it has to be very pointed. And you know, if you give them two minutes or three minutes or five minutes, five minutes, sometimes way too much, they're sitting there twiddling their thumbs or they're trying to figure out who's in charge, what are we supposed to do? Where so Unlike in our traditional classrooms, you don't have that opportunity to run over there and go, oh, okay, here's X, Y, Z. So, I mean, they have their time and their place as long as they're very structured as to what you're looking to do or what they gain from it, right? You got to have some kind of a circle back on the back end once you get them back all into the main room. Yes, great observations. So anybody want to add on to what Douglas just said? I give very specific tasks. So for example, they have to decide who is important for the transfer. Is it the trainer, the learner or the boss? And then they have to give before, after and during the training and they have to give numbers. And I put three people in the room and then I tell them, you have now five minutes time to decide. And then there's a break of 10 minutes. And after the break, one of you is presenting the results with five sentences plus minus one. And then the next group presents the other results. So this is one kind, very, very specific task. And in Adobe Connect, if you have four breakout rooms, you can have then one screen where all the results of all the breakout rooms can be seen. You know, you can synchrone every breakout room. So that's very fantastic. And then I do train the trainer coaching as well. And they have to prepare their own breakout room 
because for a project work, so they have to have an agenda, they have to prepare a short PowerPoint presentation, they have to prepare a whiteboard, they have to ask questions in the chat. So I give them examples and they have to present their breakout room to the group. So it's also a very specific task. And we go from one breakout room to the other visiting. So that's very nice. They learn from each other. Thank you for that. And I agree. And I love being able to have that oversight. And Zoom just added that capability where you can be in the main room and you can see from the main room what is happening in all of the breakout rooms. I don't know if that's still in beta or if that was rolled out to everybody, but that's something that is really exciting too, because then you have that oversight that Doug was talking about that we can make sure that people are on board and that they're doing what they need to be doing or that they're not lost or confused. or And they are very motivated because everyone wants to contribute something. And if, if you don't do anything, then it's a bit a pity. Right. It is. It is. Thank you. And I'm sorry, Maureen. So I'm the one who put in the note about under practice using breakout rooms. And so I would say whatever tools you're using in the platform, it requires more preparation, practice, work up front on the part of the facilitator to make sure you're focused on what is the learner engagement going to be. So don't use any virtual time for downloading anything didactic. Do that offline. That, that needs to be done asynchronously so that when people are together, they're learning from one another, they're engaged, so there's then they're not off like multitasking or whatever. But within the breakout rooms, now we use Mural and then use like WebEx Training Center, which has the breakout rooms. But it does require, again, thinking in advance how like groups will be set up. But we have in there the specific instructions are there for people to reference the timing, what it is they need to do. And there's also a timer on there. And there may be notifications that say, okay, we got the two minute and the facilitators and moderators can go from room to room and just check in on people if there's not already kind of a group leader there. So again, like anything else, like think about it ahead of time. What is the experience going to be for the learners to keep them engaged? and limit the amount of time to an online session to maybe two and a half hours max or whatever, like do it in two hour chunks over a few days. Don't try to take a classroom and do it all virtually, regardless of the number of tools you have. Yeah, that's mess. It, it, it's just, <laughs> that's just crazy. That's just crazy talk. When, when people and instructional designers or businesses, they, they want that all forced into a couple of hours, what would have been typically a full day. If it were, and I'm jumping off of the assumption here that when I say moving an, an eight hour workshop into a two hour environment, I am making the assumption that the eight hour workshop was needed, appropriate, relevant, well thought out and all those other good, you know, instructional design tactics, you know, and so then we strip all of that out so we can throw it into two hours and that's just that's just very, very sad. And I should say the reason also I had done some breakout groups is the group that I was working with, they were very hesitant to speak up and share and it was silence. But when they were put into breakout rooms, they developed kind of that camaraderie or those connections in that breakout room. They had to ask who was going to be the spokesperson. So they knew ahead of time. And so they were prepared to say what the group had done. And it ended up like over the course of several sessions, they got more comfortable then even in the larger group speaking up. But 
They don't put cameras on. They are not going to speak up. I mean, I've been on meetings where they were like, oh, that was great. Everybody had a great time. I thought, how could I tell? Like you had a lot of engagement. Now to me, I felt like I was pulling teeth. And so it's all relative. So it's (laughs) for sure. Renee, what did you want to add? So my question is, is what are you doing to get them to do that asynchronous work? Because if you rely on them to do it and they don't, how do you handle that? So you make it as little as possible. Like you don't repeat it necessarily when they come in, but if even you had a review activity as part of almost like your icebreaker, which builds on what was covered in the pre I call it pre-work, but the asynchronous work ahead of time, they won't be at a necessarily a complete disadvantage, but what it should do is spark them to go, oh, I should go back and pay attention and look at that. But, and then what the beauty of having the asynchronous kind of modules is that's something that could live on as its own set of kind of like a reference or learning outside of whatever the group interaction is. And then I know when I've done it, then it's like, I can think back when I look at it, like, oh yeah, when I was in that session, we talked about this. Like I can then put myself back into the virtual classroom experience to recall when that was discussed. Cassie, any thoughts about breakout rooms? Oh, I love them. I'm obsessed. I use them all the time <laughs> yeah, in every single way and uh, large, large audiences, small audiences. I, I agree with everything that's been said here though, that like clarity and know the tool and have it be aligned with the objective. And uh, I think we need to give people time. A lot of times we're not giving people enough time in these breakouts too. Yeah, I really, I mean, I just think everything everyone's saying is very thoughtful and um, and spot on actually. Great, and I agree. I think it's just about letting people know what the expectation is, you know, and just giving them time to, to work through whatever it is that they're supposed to work through. And an interesting question here is, Sandra, anyone else have problems with participants leaving Zoom as soon as they hear the words breakout rooms? I'm going to throw that one to the group. (laughs) Is is this an experience that you have? You know, I work a lot with speakers at at conferences and then our trainings are, you know, pay to come versus sponsored by an employer for an employee group. So people feel, you know, there's nobody tracking if you signed off and left. There's no certificate to get at the end. Right. I was just going to say to Sandra's point, I've heard of this happening with people so much so that I hosted a session on, I've heard people are leaving your breakouts. Let's examine why. In my experience, the people that are having this happen are more conference setting types and it's large audiences. And it's like the breakouts are being saved to the end. And it's like this sense that we should do a breakout because that'll be engaging. So, you know, you have a lot of other things there that can be addressed. You know, people um, in a conference setting or in a large group setting, they're usually just there to kind of check it out and not really be part of it. And then they, they're going to go. They're going to get the resources, materials, and head on to the next session or back to work or whatever it may be. And so it's not exactly, in my experience, happening to people that are conducting training because that's just so focused. But I can see why it would be happening in those other settings. And so recognizing that and, uh, and changing the way that you present is how to go about that, I think. Mm-hmm. I agree. We have 10 minutes left in our time. And so I'd like to switch to, let's talk about icebreakers. You know, how are we getting people warmed up when they come into the room? And I'll start with a just a very basic, simple 
technique that you guys see me use every time you come on is you have some sort of conversation happening. I equate that to going to a cocktail party. And when you go into the room, everybody is facing the wall and is quiet. How does that make you feel? (laughs) You know, do you want to stay at that party? Probably not. So my simple technique is simply just to have some kind of off the wall conversation going like, thank you, Douglas, for sharing with us what Friday the 13th actually is. So now we've all learned something new from the very beginning. And so that's my little technique or quote unquote icebreaker, if you will, for bringing people into a conversation. What is it that you do? I'm in a school district. Our participants and professional development are at the end of the day after the teachers have been teaching all day long. So we always try to open with a welcoming activity. We do our trainings and then we do an optimistic closure, but we're trying to come up with different welcoming activities just to kind of get people excited and engaged for being there. So I tried something different recently. There were pros and cons to it. I'm not going to say I'll never do it again. I will say I'll never do it that way again, but I just had this idea. Teachers were tired and I wanted to give them a high five for joining us for a book study we were doing. So I kind of did it, you know, when we're on Zoom, there's nothing being shared, the shared screen and everybody's viewing and you can see each other. We did a kind of virtual high fives to each other. So I played the Brady Bunch theme song. What they were doing wasn't just straight on high fives. They were trying to figure out how they could high five their neighbors. And it was kind of fun because, you know, people were laughing because they were smacking others in the face, you know. And so they were trying to figure out how to communicate with each other to high five somebody on the left. Now, whoever's on my left isn't necessarily the same. You know, it's not all set up the same. So watching them try to either in the chat, hey, Shannon, you know, I'm below you. Can we figure out how to give each other a high five? It was fun. I just played that Brady Bunch theme song because it just seemed so much like what the Brady Bunch would do. Um, And they loved it. It was fun. They got to use each other's name. They got a chance to talk and laugh and communicate with each other. So it was fun. I wouldn't use it all the time by any stretch of the imagination, but for being tired at the end of the day, it was a fun start. I like that idea. I think that is fun. I might even try it just that way, just for the laughter of it all. You know, and I think just laughter in of itself is just such a great icebreaker. So if you can get people to laugh, you're going to get them to connect. You know, it is about reaching the hearts and minds at the very beginning and hooking them in. Thank you for that. Okay, who's next? What's your icebreaker? What's your go-to icebreaker in the virtual space? I talk too much, Shannon. You know, I've got like books and books on this. I know you do. I was going to tell you, you can put links to your books in the chat. That's fine. (laughs) I like, I've been playing around lately with, um, having people just change their virtual background to a location that they wish they were located instead of where they are today. <laughs> and oh. It's just a really easy thing. And they learn to change their virtual background at the same time. And you can do this in WebEx and Teams and Zoom, whatever. And um, other times I'll send the virtual backgrounds that I'd like for them to use ahead of time. And so then I'll go choose from the ones that, that I gave you. And like, like, would you rather be at the park, the mountains, Mm-hmm. You know, and, and they all have the same one, you know, the beach. I've sent like four of them ahead of time in an email or something. And then what happens is I'll open up the breakouts to choose your own adventure, like you mentioned in the chat. 
and it'll be the park, the beach, the mountains, whatever I sent, and then they'll self-select into the one in their background matches the breakout room that they went in, <laughs> right? And then I give them some kind of assignment, you know, whatever. Right, and you can play around with the filters. Yeah. Yep. And the avatars, did you guys see those? And you know, the avatars haven't been rolled out, I don't think, to everybody. Oh, really? They're very strange. I think they're more for the kids, but you know, hi. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it could be, you know, just how are you feeling right now? I think that is a fun way to start out, especially if you're talking leadership development or onboarding, any of those sorts of topics where you might have a complex topic that might be slightly intimidating. You know, you can start out by asking people, you know, how do you feel? Yeah. Like, what's your reaction to this word? Like, um, leader, what's your reaction to that? What do you, what's it make you think about? And now we're starting to think we're on topic and I'll, I'll probably like, if it's an opener and people are just connecting, I would probably do that in the chat so that we could remain on webcam to greet people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Lori opening up the pictures. That is such a classic that never fails. Right. And I like to say like, which of these pictures best represents you and your current role? You know, you can alter the question based on what you're teaching. When, when I say leader, which image here are you drawn to and why? And then you can call on people and have them talk about it or go into a breakout and let them discuss it. Mm -hmm. I love this idea here, Stella. I think it's always fun to have people drawing something and then holding it up. How have you used that? Well, in fact, I do train the trainer courses, but it's not online courses but it's for presence. We really draw on flip charts and pin walls. But now as we have to do it online, I simulate the flip chart with a, just a normal piece of paper, you know, and uh, you just hold it in the camera because mm -hmm. uh, if you draw on a flip chart, you should also start small and then enlarge it. And um, it works very, very, very well because everyone is an artist, you know, and drawing by hand is much more brain friendly than these perfect design PowerPoints. And it also shows you some personality. Everyone has a different personality. And even those people who say, I can't draw, it's the most, most funniest. And everyone does it, you know. I don't really put pressure on them. I just ask them, well, I give you five minutes, turn off the camera, draw something on a small piece of paper, because if we were in a room, you will have to draw on your flip chart, but you always start small before going large. And I show them some examples. And also it's easier, it's a lot faster, the introduction, if they have prepared something and if they have three specific questions, it's a bit faster. You lose so much time when everyone starts explaining, you know. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So thank you for that. And now that we're at the top of the hour, let's go ahead and let's use a short reflection, if you will. Let's have that moment of silence and everybody put a takeaway, put it into the chat, but do not hit send yet. So one takeaway, write it into the chat. Do not hit send. Okay, everyone send, let's see what we have. Woo, look at this. Waterfall, thank you, Miro. 
pictures, music isn't for everyone. <laughs> exactly. The drawing. Awesome. Okay. And so thank you everyone. This was a wonderful time. It's always great to get new ideas from you guys because you're just so generous with thought and generous with ideas. And I appreciate, you know, how you come off and just share you know, everything that is near and dear to you. So I do appreciate everyone's contributions today. So thank you for joining me. I do appreciate your time and I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. Oh, and be aware that the events page on the Learning Rebels website is live. So you can always go there to find out what chats are happening in the future, as well as those that have happened in the past. Thank you. Thank you everyone for hanging with us for another Learning Rebels Coffee Chat where we discussed all the virtual training tips. There were so many good takeaways today. However, a few stood out. One, the importance of audio. It's time to lift your audio game. And in the show notes, I'll put a link to my favorite microphone. Two, stop making people turn on their cameras. Let's just be a little bit more empathetic to what may be happening in people's lives and in their backgrounds. Three, plan reflection time. People clearly loved the waterfall chat or what I called the blast chat for interaction for the purpose of learning reflection. A special shout out goes to Cassie Labori for taking time out of her busy schedule to join us. Her books and other resources will be in the show notes. As a reminder, all the resources can be found below. And while you're there, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on future chats. Want to join the Coffee Chat Live? Well, go over to learningrebels.com and sign on up. In the meantime, stay curious, be rebellious, and take over the world. Bye for now.